Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special bonus edition of This Week at the Box Office. I'm Travis, and this week, we got to speak with the lovely Diane Franklin in anticipation of tomorrow's episode, Amityville 2, The Possession. Due to my poor communication skills, uh, we had to patch Steven on this one over the phone, on speakerphone. So uh, if he sounds caught off guard, or uh, if the sound is a little off in the first 20 minutes of this, uh, that is why. That is totally my fault. Uh, But it does clear up after the 20-minute mark. And uh, we had a lot of fun talking with Diane. So uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this episode, commercial-free. You're welcome. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'll give him a call, and let's see if uh, see if he's at least available enough to talk on it. No, that would be funny. The anticipation. Steven Straw. How you doing, buddy? Uh, Oh, I got. Uh, up. It's, that's messed up, Steve. That's real messed up. All right. Hold on. Your phone connection is worse than your internet. I know. I've got you on speakerphone. With I got Diane Franklin here. Hi, Steve. <laughs> hey, maybe you can hear me. Steve, I made Travis call you. I said, no matter where you are, it's uh-huh. just fun. Fun to have you all uh, part of this. No matter what you're doing, we can help you move. Yeah, it's, it's just uh, my brother-in-law bought a big hutch in the table, so I'm helping him move the hutch. All right, well, we'll help him too. Okay, we'll help him. <laughs> right, lift with your legs, Steve, not with your back. Yeah, that's right. Legs, not back. What, what is going on? <laughs> Not a lot. We're just kind of just freewheeling right now. You know, okay, I, just, I just uh, I just looked on Voodoo, on, on Voodoo and and saw that I could get a I could get the movie itself to watch it. Yes. And uh, I saw that you rented Bill and Ted Three for tonight or bought it. I'm not sure how that works. The movie's coming out. But I'm gonna have to probably. Watch that. I think you can access it at midnight. Or how does that work, Steve? Oh, uh, well, I already bought Bill and Ted uh, Face the Music on Creepy Voodoo, and that is actually going to be available at 9 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time, uh, since I believe they are releasing it on the East Coast at midnight. East oh. Coast at midnight? Whoa! Okay, you're getting real early so, access. So, so, so. So come nine o'clock tonight in about an hour and a half, uh, I will probably be watching Glenn Ted face the music. Oh my God! 
I'm jealous. I should have done that. Or maybe there's still time for me to do that. I don't know. <laughs> so I'm very excited. If you have if you have Voodoo, Travis, I'm pretty sure you can still buy it. Oh, I have Voodoo. That's where I watched Amityville too. Yay! Yeah, which was wow. That was insane. Right? I mean, for saying that because right now I'm like thinking it's still insane. Like it was insane then, but it's still insane. That's a real compliment. Yeah, I can't. I mean, yeah, for 1982, it was really out there. I was uh, genuinely scared, and I'm not really even all that uh, as far as possession goes. It's not my not high up on my beliefs and, and things right. that I'm scared of. But the, I mean, just the performances given in it, the tone of the film, everything. It was. Uh, I hear a lot of people say that it's better than the original, uh, and I can I see why. Uh, my girlfriend was telling me, uh, Weston, she's a huge fan of yours, by the way. She's incredibly, she's at work right now. She's incredibly jealous that she didn't get to pop in and say hi. Oh, <laughs> tell uh, her bonjour for Monique. Or hello. Right? Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> no, you got it dead on because she, she quotes you all the time specifically from that movie. I mean, we quote that movie more than more than most, I think. But she tells me all the time, she's like, kick his ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> Well, you yeah. know, it's great that I was in um, uh, all these different movies that have like something really special about them, you know? I mean, you were talking about Amityville. I, I know, um, you know, you said you were uh, freaked out when you were a kid or when you were younger watching it or whenever. And that's what happened to um, this guy named Daniel Ferens, who got a kid when he was 12 years old, watched it and was completely floored by the film. And so, he from that from his experience from that he became a writer a director and he directed his first film and it was Amityville Murders which is now on a uh, star which I think you can get through Hulu really and, and yeah and so it's fascinating so what happened was he watched Amityville uh the the possession where I played the daughter in the movie and it mm -hmm. freaked him out so bad that he wrote this movie where then he asked me it's the same movie as Amityville basic story is the same um but mm -hmm. this time i don't play the daughter i play obviously i play the mother and that's the really amazing thing so if you've seen amityville 2 and you go see this movie amityville murders now which just came out last year uh you're gonna flip out because there's no other actress who's ever been playing the daughter and the mother in the same that's story. amazing Isn't that okay crazy? i'm gonna have to watch that yeah uh, oh, well, love i read it. I read this movie was based off a book called The Amityville Murder, so that that makes a lot of sense. And that's man, what a dream come true for that guy to to be to see that full circle from inspiration to, to actually putting the work and then actually casting you. It was a complete. It was such a complete thing. He was a fan of the movie, and uh, it was a it was such a piece of luck i mean that i was available that i'm act i've been acting you know if i wasn't acting i wouldn't have been able to really do it you know i'm kept up with it and also yeah. um not only did he get me in but he also got burt young to play my dad in the movie so he plays i play the mother and then burt young plays my father just like he did in amityville but he plays now you know i guess the grandfather it's yeah okay crazy. i mean it is it's it's gonna go down in movie history because it's no one's done that before. And I, I would really give him kudos for doing that because he gave respect to the older audience. Older audience. He knows that it makes a difference. 
Yes, absolutely. 100%. And he understood that, that you make the difference. Apparently, you've got some secret sauce. Seems like <laughs> uh, the yeah. movies that you're in really stand the test of time as far as, I mean, I know tons of people who are big, like, uh, cult Better Off Dead fans. <laughs> oh, very nice. I love this. It's like a secret um, society when you quote it and somebody else gets it. You're like, oh, okay. I'm so glad you said that, that it's like a, a, like a secret society, like people knowing because um, I'm actually writing a book about Better Off Dead right now. And it's going to be my, what happened was I've been doing, I was doing these conventions, these signing conventions up until COVID hit. And oh, yeah. every, but people love the film. I would go to horror conventions and I would meet Better Off Dead fans. And if, in case you don't know, Better Off Dead is a comedy with John Cusack. And I play a French because this is why I talk like this in the movie. So um, I love the film. I think it's my favorite. I, I mean, I love all of them for different reasons, but Better Off Dead is such a classic. And what happened was I had the coat from Better Off Dead that I actually wore in the film and I brought okay. it to conventions. So I had people try on the coat at the conventions and so many people loved it that suddenly one day somebody said, you know, you should make a book and put everybody in it. And I went, oh, that is brilliant. Yes. So what I did was I have, not only do I have pictures of people wearing the coat, but I got like interviews from Savage Steve Holland and Curtis. Um, I have some information from him. I have an uh, interview from Amanda, uh, the Paperboy. Like, I just have, like, a whole bunch of different interviews, and I'm just making it a love fest. So the thing I want to say is that you, uh -huh. like, you said, like, there's these group of people. Like, if somebody knows a quote, you suddenly go, oh, yeah, you're, you're in, right? Mm -hmm. And that right. is what I found about Better Off Dead. It's that if you know Better Off Dead and you love that movie, you're a cool person. Like, you're a good person. <laughs> It's just that simple. It's just that simple. If you, I won't argue with that. you get it, and if you don't get it, well, then you better get some therapy. I mean, no, no I know you just like <laughs> you gotta be like. Off dead, I guess. Well, you gotta you gotta get a sense of humor. I mean, really, that's what I think it is. It's like the sense of humor, and it's a love story too, and it's hilarious. It's so funny. I, I think it's quintessential, and honestly, yeah. I, I mean. I had a, my mother, I wasn't born in 1990, by the way. Uh, so I didn't see this one in uh, Amityville until today, actually. But Better Off Dead, I saw a very long time ago. They gave me that and Say Anything. But I, yeah, I mean, I love yeah. Say Anything as well. But this is the one that, that, <laughs> that was, the, Better Off Dead is the one that I really connected with. And now as I look back, I think that people want to point to that. and try, I don't know, as a better piece of art. But when you look at this, this is it's such an incredible satire. It's such a like, <laughs> I mean, just Romeo and Juliet's the greatest love story, and this is the greatest love story being made fun of. Just like, yeah, you're yeah. In it's not it that serious. <laughs> and you know, the food going off the table, and it's just, and the lines, the dialogue. I mean, I'll, I don't know, Curtis Armstrong was given the best lines. Like the, you know, I've been going to this high school for 12 years right now. I'm going down what is that like? Every other line in that has, is just a, a, totally quotable. Uh, yeah, and he says, what, do you have any idea the street value of this mountain? I really thought that was so funny. It really is still so funny. Uh, it gets funnier. Yeah, 
it, that's what I'm really happy that I've also met people like who said, oh, I watched the film when I was, you know, a teenager and now I pass it on to my kids and I'm thinking, and you know, it's not a very long film. It's pretty short, you know, too. So I, I think it really translates. And I think it's just going to get better and better because as time goes by, it's also going to become very nostalgic because people are going to go, oh, look, like there were those kind of phones or those, those kind of, you know, I don't know. They had things called books. I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, if you guys make fun of uh, a scene where they're in the classroom and every single person is just, <laughs> except oh. for like, it's completely wired in. They're oh. just, uh, it's like Ferris Bueller, but the bizarro world, instead of everybody sleeping, not paying attention. They're... Everyone's hair, like, like with the, the you know, squeaky uh, chalkboard. But yeah, no, actually what you were saying was, that everyone's so riveted by the most boring thing that the teacher yeah. I love that. That's like brilliant, you know, like, oh, 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 you know. Yeah, and the um, fact that it has a, a ski bully, uh, the main jock in it is a skier. That's, yes. I mean, if anything, I mean, this could be, like when I think 80s, I think <laughs> ski resort, bullies, everything about it, it just better off dead comes to mind. And uh, boy, I'm, 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 I'm getting lost. I'm, through, even think about, I mean, Travis, I'm getting overwhelmed. You can even take that to, to the movie Translate Even to a Skiing, because uh, one of my favorite lines in the movie Hot Tub Time Machine is a reference to Better Off Dead. It's a dude on his cell phone, and he goes, he, he's skiing, he goes, I'm talking to you on my phone, phone. Yeah, phone, I want that $2. Like, that's obviously a reference to Better Off Dead. Now, even John, I mean, who wasn't a very big fan of the movie, really, later on, whatever. Um, I'm surprised. I never saw Hot Tub Time Machine, so I'm I'm interested in that. That's interesting that that uh, they put that in there. Um, but that's, you I'm know, I'll take it. I'll take it. I've heard that he's not a big fan of it either, and I, st I don't understand. Well, I uh, you know what? Here's what happened. I, and I will say this. I actually read an article recently that said he's starting to talk about it and I ran into him and you know what he's I think what it is is he just it wasn't that he said he was I mean when it happened I mean I was in the I was in this the, the uh, room when he left like I was in the the theater when he oh, left wow. and I thought he just had to go to the bathroom <laughs> or like wanted some popcorn or something. So he stayed and watched a little bit, but then he just got up and got. So I didn't think it was anything. And uh, the, the the room, the theater was packed and people were laughing and they were just, I mean, everyone loved it and they were so engrossed. And I think he left before he got a chance to see what was going on. But at that mm -hmm. time, I mean, I think John was, you know, he didn't see what we see now. And I think, He's starting to see it. Um, and I think, like, he, he doesn't have, as far as he's told me, he has nothing against the film. He's just, um, I think he, I mean, right now, maybe perhaps he's getting it a lot more because, boy, do we need something to make us laugh and something that's make it up, you know, up. And I think for him at that time, maybe he didn't want that type of career, didn't want, like, something that was silly or, you know, he thought yeah. that would affect his career. And believe me, that's a thing actors are concerned about. You know, when you do, I've even just talked about it. I just did a documentary for a, a documentary called Skin, the History of Nudity in Film. Oh, I heard about um, this, yes. And that, and that might even be going to Netflix, we'll see. But it is out now. And, and you know, even I, you know, saying 
how it's you don't when you're doing a film you just I'm like I don't want to be pigeon tailed and or pigeon toed whatever that's not the right expression but um, I, I have to be known for just that so for me it was right. like nudity I'm like I don't want to just be known for just doing nudity because I'm more of an actress than that and in fact Better Off Dead although I did do television movies after Last American Virgin and Amityville but I did Better Off Dead was my first film that hired me well, without nudity. And I mean, I was ecstatic. I mean, that character, the role model, the character, I was, it made my life. I mean, it was seriously yeah. the, the greatest thing that ever happened. And I knew I could kill it. I mean, I, I had um, just did a, a character where I played a French girl in a mm -hmm. film. And, um, and so when I came back, I was like, I really want to play this character. And they weren't even in, they didn't even have me in mind for that character. They, I think they wanted to see me for Beth. And when I came in, I just said, I want to be Monique. I have to be Monique. You must make me Monique, you know? And I think they were, <laughs> they were like, what, what? And by the way, also when I auditioned, I had really long hair. So they had to cut my hair to make me look French. Which is kind of cool. Which was really cool. So it was a whole creation of Monique. It wasn't just a. I had to, you know, show them, and then we we kind of worked together and made it happen. And I so I have to say, they're fantastic. <laughs> well, it's yeah, it's a great look for you, and yeah, I'm glad that you were able to really immerse yourself in the role. Uh, can I tell you that uh, when I was doing my research about you before this, uh, I mentioned <laughs> uh, my girlfriend's such a big Better Off Dead fan. She thought you were French. You did such a convincing depth. She was like, wait, she she married? I was like, yeah, I think, I think Thank so. Thank you. Tell her that's a huge compliment. I One of the first things that, um, you know, when you do a dialect, you you try to sort of, you obviously try to get as close to it as being realistic as possible. But there's a problem, and that is that when you do a dialect, if it's if you can't understand the dialect, if you do it really well or if it's so understated or... It's just, you have to make it your own. So when I sure. did the voice, um, there was a critic who said that I sounded as French as Howard Cosell. And I was like, really, really, you have to say that? That's like, mm. but you know, yeah. everyone to their opinion. So to me, when you say that, that's my reward, that the audience believe me. Yeah, some people think I'm really French and I'm like, yeah, that sounds Yeah, good. absolutely. I mean, it's, it's unquestionable. And also you are, incredibly cool in that role she's got the know-how with the cars she's a big baseball fan you've got i mean you've got i guess yourself even not just monique but you got a great arm throwing those uh <laughs> whatever traffic sign that is or lemons those oranges you know that that movie um it was a capable girl you know and i really think yes. part of it i really loved about it is a lot of times when they showed a capable girl, she couldn't be, um, or they wouldn't show her as being uh, feminine too. You know, like I can very feminine, you know, I have the dress and the, you know, the way I walk and just like, it's just a different thing. And I just felt like, why can't, especially at that time, certainly, but why can't women be everything? And why can't guys be everything? Like, why can't we just be people as a, and you know, if you feel feminine, be feminine. If you feel masculine, be masculine. If you want to do this, you know, just, be everything, you know, and uh, I felt like that character, it was very, it was the closest thing to me, I have to say, as as a character could get, you know? I think so, it really shows through, yeah, only you could do that. I mean, as someone who saw that and it's a younger year, you may have actually 
forced me to set the bar a little too high as far as what I look for in a, in a woman, someone who can be covered in grease and still be as beautiful as you were and, you know, intelligent, but also tough. I mean, it's just, yeah, you're right. I think that's one of the reasons that makes that such a, a great or a film that we should be continuing to watch as we go older because it's, yeah. it's uh, way more life lessons. Travis, Travis, I'm going to Oh, okay. I've got to get going. All right. Well, I'm glad we could at least get you involved in part of this interview. And uh, Hi, sorry Mom. about the mix up, buddy. No, it's all right. Diane, it was great talking with you. Uh, as always, thank you for doing the show. Merci, Bucket. Au revoir. <laughs> Au revoir. I will talk to you guys later. All right. Bye, buddy. Love you. Uh, I wish he could have stayed, but you know. Yeah, me too. His brother-in-law, was that the one who he needed help? Yeah. Well, I hope they got that hutch moved. <laughs> yeah, those can be incredibly heavy. Yeah. Uh, so I guess uh, we'll, we'll cut him some slack on that one. I don't know how much time exactly you have here, but I'm really having a great time talking to you. I'm not, um, so whatever you want to ask, I'm... Well, uh, you've uh, brought up, we got to talk more about Better Off Dead than we were going to, so I'm very excited. That That's a dream come true. <laughs> uh, See, now, that's, that's awesome, because that's exactly what happens. Like, I mean, seriously, I, I will come in and I'll be, like, talking about Amityville, and there'll be, like, really cool things. Um, but, but, uh, but it's great. Like, I'm coming out with this book, so people should definitely stay connected with me on social media. I'm mm -hmm. trying to get it out before the end of the year, but with this COVID thing, there's so many things going on for me that... Um, I don't know if I'll get it done in time, but, um, but I do think, but it's going to be great. It, it, it's worth the wait. It is going to be so much fun. I have found out things about Better Off Dead that I didn't even know. And, um, it's just going to take people down memory lane and I'm really going to give, I'm going to, I'm trying to give every character in the film their due because that's oh. what we, I mean, people who know Better Off Dead really know better off dead <laughs> they know yes they, know, they, re they remember danny jumping with the balloon you know uh ricky you know he, he oh. runs, <laughs> tries to catch the balloon which is like a side thing but it's the idea of it's yeah it's the beauty of the film right it was it's what made it hilarious gee ricky i'm really sorry your mom blew up <laughs> ricky. <laughs> ricky uh but uh, yeah, we could, I think we can intertwine between the two. I really just want to talk about your experience making the film more than anything. I have a few questions about things that happened in it. Uh, mm -hmm. I was disappointed when uh, when your role ended in it and there's still half an hour left in the film because I thought that you were definitely one of the more compelling aspects of it. Oh, but I read... Oh, you're welcome. I read in the trivia about this uh, somewhat infamous or notorious scene with, with Sonny... Uh, and they wanted you to do that topless, and it was okay because you'd done it in The Last American Virgin, which everyone should also check out. Um, but that you were really, even without anyone there, I mean, because how old were you when you were filming this? 18, 19? Well, well, here's the thing. in um, in um, I was 20 when I did Amityville. Oh, okay. Amityville 2. And, um, but I looked really young. And... The thing about it was that 
I, I it, taking, you know, doing nudity is never casual. It's never. I mean, any girl who tells you it's casual, it's not. It's just I mean, not, not with that many people so, around. I can't imagine yeah. it's, it's. No, it's, just, it's, it's something that you don't do. You know, I think in general, I mean, today things have really changed. But I think that it's very interesting to me. Like at that time in the 80s, when you did nudity, it was very. Um, specific it was in your contract it was not something you did casually and probably that's because america doesn't see it as something casual you know it's, right. it's a european thing it's more like oh well what's the big deal but but here it's more um and it has to do with women being objectified and being seen as um you know, just uh, objects and right. not they can do more than take their shirt off and be, you know, captivating. OK, um, although, you know, there's I mean, I, again, I say like you women are everything and men are everything. You know, you just it's we're all these things. We're not just one thing where, you know, you're just I mean, it's funny, like a lot of actresses I know who like are seen just for their intelligence, wish they could be seen as a beauty or, you know, sexy, you know, so there's right. no perfect you know, side. Um, but what I will say is that in that movie, I was cast in the role. And then um, because I had done the nudity before, that's probably why they approached me. Um, but then we were very stringent with it. And it's, it was very strict. And then when it came to that scene, um, they all of a sudden, I mean, I, we shot it in Mexico. And so picture this, I'm, you're, I'm, you're 20 years old or I'm 20 mm -hmm. years old. I'm in Mexico by myself. I have no manager, no agent. I'd been in the business for basically 10 years. So I, I knew how to handle myself. But then they, they came to me and they asked me to, we're in the scene, we're shooting the scene. And they say, okay, yeah, yeah. oh, well, you know, they want to talk to you about adding more, put this robe on and let's go over there. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, they're like asking me to, you know, if they could do more of the nudity. And I, and I said, you know what? No, I, I, you know, I wrote that, did this in my contract and I honestly wasn't upset or, uh, angry, um, because I knew the rules and I knew the laws and I understood by then, like what my rights were. So I was like, mm, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and they're like, but you know, nudity is so beautiful. I'm like, yeah, I know nudity is beautiful. I agree. It is beautiful, mm -hmm. but no. <laughs> right. I think yeah. I mean, like I said before, they they really chose the right person to to embody Monique because uh, I think uh, as far and I've heard interviews with actresses from current day or even uh, I'm blanking on her name right now, but the girl from Game of Thrones uh, that even like Jason Momoa, like in between takes, they weren't giving her a robe or anything, just kind of like subtle little things like that yeah. where if you if, if you're not willing to speak up for yourself they're willing to to take advantage in in small ways like that yeah. and i think the timing of them asking you like that hoping that you were caught up in pre preparation for the scene and, and be a little harder time to say no but i'm really oh, when <laughs> you're young you know they think you're young you don't have the uh the and again, this is so, and i'm really this is one of the reasons why i talk about this and why i did that documentary is that if you're an actress um, or anybody, really, you know, you don't, first of all, you do not do anything you feel uncomfortable with. If it feels weird, it is weird. But the other part of it is you don't have to get angry and defensive in a situation 
where somebody wants you to do something and you don't want to. You can be nice and say no. You can say, you, you don't have to get into an argument. I think the biggest thing I as an actress felt was, you know, if I say no, then, you know, it's going to be an argument or there's going to be problems or, you know, it could just be mm -hmm. like, I don't feel comfortable doing this. And then what can we do if you, you know, and what did they do? I mean, honestly, then they did a shot of me right. from the back, which made me look new. So they did their own thing anyway. I mean, and I could have probably, I guess, sued them or whatever. But, you know, it wasn't that wasn't a big deal for me. I knew what I was willing to do and what I wasn't willing to do. But um I really think that it's really important to do what you're comfortable with. And I guarantee as an actress, if you allow the actress to be comfortable with what's going on and you treat that person with respect and, you know, then they're willing to be open and talk about things and make things happen. But if you try to pull one over on them, oh, watch out, watch out. Cause then everyone's after you and it's not good. Um, so um okay. yeah it's fascinating i mean i i did um i think and then in that film i mean like the incest and all that stuff you know it was so fascinating because when we shot it um there was a scene where well we we, we did the scene and uh -huh. then I thought that they, they had the still photographer there and the still photographer was like okay well you know i would like you know you guys to look like you're going to kiss and I thought we were going to kiss. I thought, okay, you know, I don't have a problem with that. But they said, no, no, we don't want you just to about, just about to kiss. And I thought, oh, wow. Okay, sure. And that was the closest we ever got to it being hmm. intimate, which was strange. You know, it's kind of bizarre. So just letting you know that, that um, it's very specific in the entertainment business. And yes, I was Monique in that, you know, situation. <laughs> and everyone needs to be Monique sometime in their lives where they just go, no, thank you. Not for me. Doesn't work, you know, and right. let it be, you know. I think, yeah, especially someone early in their career, you could have the fear, uh, you know, that you don't want to refuse. And then people say, oh, well, she's difficult to work right. with. I don't know if you want to hire her. And suddenly you can get blacklisted for something as simple as. So that's why you have contacts, because you can't right. worry about, you know, that that is an actor. You don't want that stress. That's sure. like, and look. I'm not the last actress or the first actress to ever say this. There'll, in the future, there'll be many other actresses who will be asked to be doing some things and they'll feel nervous and they'll feel like, oh God, I have to do that. If it's up front and everybody knows what's going on, you know, you do it. And it's not easy. I mean, it really isn't. Oh, that is why I really believe if you're an actor, you gotta be ready for it emotionally. It's not just like, I got the part, but can you handle it emotionally? And I, I actually, teach kids acting I work with kids and oh. one of the biggest things I do is you know I really try to set them up that they don't get too much too soon you know you you have to grow up a little bit and my daughter who's an actress and a um a filmmaker uh the the hardest thing the big the hardest thing I did or the best thing I did as far as her mm -hmm. in the entertainment business was prepare her emotionally not uh you know Yes, she knows how to act. I've, you know, worked, she's worked with me and she knows how to do things. She's incredibly instinctive. She's an amazing filmmaker. She's got, uh, but it's so much about being emotionally ready for success or be emotionally ready for the struggles. Uh, okay. And what I think is in life really important. It's one of the reasons why I think it's important to go to college. Um, I, I don't think it matters necessarily what you major in, what college is about to me. And I went to college until I started getting so much work that I had to stop. But it's about growing up. 
and experiencing mm-hmm. handling things, all levels. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, how much sleep do I get? Can I do my laundry? Do I take those drugs? Do I not? Do I go out with that girl? Oh my God, I didn't get any sleep. How do I take this test? I mean, like you have to figure out your your own choices. And that's what college is about. Without anybody else, what do you do? How do you treat yourself? You know, do you eat? Do you not eat? Do you eat ramen? What's the heck is, you know? Right. Yeah, it really yeah. is a grand experiment. Do I finally, you know, or do I keep living the way that people have been telling me to live or do I find out if they're if right. maybe they're wrong, wrong about a few things? Yeah. Do I, do I buy this handle or do I have food for the weekend? I don't know. Exactly. Right. You, <laughs> you learning to live with the consequences of those as well. Exactly. You experiment. And you know what? All of that is good. You need to learn and grow up and experiment and try things. Um, and but make mistakes. Me, yeah. And make mistakes because you're not going to learn until you make your own mistakes. You know, if someone tells you to do something, I very rarely, I don't think I've ever met a, a child or a person, young adult, who has ever taken all the advice that their parent has given them and done it exactly the way their parents have said it. And, you know, if you, those who have, who have done rebel later, you know, it's a part of it. Yeah. You need to learn on your own, figure it out, and then once you get the answers, you will, you'll do, you'll come to it. You know, it's a, uh, and everyone's got their own story. So I, I you know, as Monique, you know, you've got to yeah. K-12, you've got to experiment <laughs> in life and, and then you figure it out, you know, mm-hmm. and then you figure yeah, out what's right for you. You know, that's the other thing. I, I would say there's three directions to go in life. What you want to do, what your parents want you to do and what uh, you're gifted at. Uh, and, if, yes. you know, what you do with your parents want you, maybe they want you to go to college, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And and I meet so many kids. Sometimes people do one thing. Sometimes they do two or all three. Um, or you might say, you know what? I want to be um, a singer, you know? And you go and you start learning about singing. And then you suddenly realize, oh, my gosh, I don't want to be up all night and do concerts. I don't want to carry my stuff all night. I don't want to be traveling. You start learning what does that occupation require. And then you figure it out. And then what you're gifted at, though, is that's the thing sometimes where you make money because that thing comes easy to you. So let's say you are a great uh, drummer. You don't really want to be a drummer, but you're a great drummer. And somebody says, hey, could you play for me? You know, I'm going to need something for a band. And like, oh, great. Maybe you're great at math. Okay. Could you just do my uh, taxes or like do something for me? Oh, sure. No. So figure out what you're great at and, and do everything. Just do it. So now I've gone into a complete Monique mode, but basically that's... I'm loving it, though. This is great. This, I should be writing more of this down, although I guess I'm recording it, so I'll be able Yay. to <laughs> go back and listen. Yeah, as someone who's uh, rapidly approaching 30, there's been a, quite a few things that my my mother can attest that she's told me verbatim, and then it doesn't doesn't click until <laughs> until you experience it. Exactly. And then I was explaining to her, it. she's like, I'm pretty sure I've told you that exactly before but you didn't you weren't ready to hear it (laughs) and especially it's so funny you might your mother might say it but then you don't hear it until i say it or somebody else says it right and then you go now that's smart you go back to your parents you know that this is happening they go really i've never said that to you a billion times right (laughs) (laughs) i was for the last two decades trying to drill that into your head (laughs) I, i also think that sometimes uh things make sense 
and sometimes they don't. As an example, there's probably times where your parent at some point in your life said, clean your room. It makes no sense to you as a young person to clean your room because you know exactly where everything is. So you're like, why do I clean it? Because I know that this dirty sock is over here and I can wear it again and that, 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 right? You know, but then you, when you get older, you realize, oh, you start dating and you go, well, oh, um, you know what? My room's a mess. I better clean it because she's or he's coming over, oh, right? Right. <laughs> right? So <laughs> like, it's got great importance. <laughs> right. It changes everything. It makes sense. So as we grow up, we learn that. Uh, and then we figure it out. Then we go online and go, okay, how do you clean your room? Oh, okay, use that stuff, right? Uh, so it will. That is a beautiful sense. analogy. Wow. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to steal that. <laughs> I think it's, a, it's really important for people today to understand you can't do everything all at once at the same time. Great. And that would be sick if you did. It just would be, it's like you, you're not a robot, okay? You're a person, and things make sense when they make sense. So. Right now, what's Absolutely. important is to survive and stay alive from the COVID virus. Okay, that's just the first. Right. Thing. Wear a mask. Right. We just, let's keep it simple, right? <laughs> uh, so you talked about having an actress needing to have uh, an emotional intelligence to go along with, you know, not only acting, but the, everything that comes along with outside of it and controlling yeah. your career and picking things. How does it, how does that emotional, how, how does that come into play when you, like, when you, ah, <laughs> can't talk. When you have a movie that goes number one at the box office and you find that out, you get that phone call. What's Oh, I mean, well, I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, well, actually, what's so funny is, is all the films that I've done basically have been um, sleepers, I would say. I mean, Bill and Ted's is now huge. Better Off right. is now, you know, ubiquitous. I mean, people all over know about it, love it. Um, I've never had a film that went completely... Even Last American Virgin is still in, people still watch it, but it, I've never had a film that was an immediate success. But I will. This say, technically was number one. Yeah, which? What? What this was number Amityville 2 was, was number one when it came out. Oh, okay. Well, you know what's funny then? <laughs> okay, mm -hmm. so when Amityville. Yeah, you're right. It did come out and it was number one. That's so funny. All right. Well, then I guess you just don't know. <laughs> nobody, tells, nobody tells you. Um, well, uh, they did start doing that in 1982. Yeah. So maybe it wasn't that like something that people were that keyed in on quite yet. Well, you, I probably so. I, I'll tell you what was interesting. I did Last American Virgin and Amityville. They both came out the same year and they were in the top. Both of them, I think one year was in the top or one point they were like both in the top 10 so what happened from that is I got a lot of um, attention in the industry and I think from that um, there were some jobs I got I got a, a pilot for ABC um, I got a movie of the week where I started in for CBS and I got a, a another uh, movie of the week for ABC so I think in the entertainment business they noticed and I was given opportunities really quickly and oh, absolutely and but I'll tell you I had absolutely no idea that I was actually asking people why am I the lead like Diane Lane was up for uh this same part I was up for she turned it down for summer girl but I couldn't believe I was up for the same role as, as she was I was in a, a tv movie with Ali Sheedy and Ali was a star I mean she just came up war games and I was like I'm the main character how is this possible but i think it's because yeah. you know i i was really clueless and i think that i um 
I, I definitely, I just kept going forward and I just kept my nose to the, what is it? Ground. I can't, I don't know the, the grindstone. Grindstone, right. I just kept doing it. And um, mm -hmm. I, I, at that time in the eighties, fame was not the same as it is today. You didn't know you had followers, you know, you, oh, didn't, right. know, yes, yeah. you, know, you didn't know you were popular. Um, and the only way I think you did know is if a studio or a, um, yeah, if a studio created an event that publicized you and put the money into what you were doing so that there was like this grand opening and, um, you know, the, you know, but usually those were the big studios and I work, if you notice the films I did were really mm -hmm. for independent, uh, companies, um, Better Off Dead was Warner Brothers, but it was CBS theatrical films. So that was the closest I did for like, you know, like it was super cool that they did. Um, Warner Brothers put the big uh -huh. poster on the side of, of a building of Warner Brothers. And to me, that was like, what a, you know, what a compliment. And I could see my face up there. I just, yeah, amazing experience. So. And what a beautiful face with that. Aw, merci bucket. You, you look the same today, everybody. You can't see her on the podcast, but it hasn't you. changed a bit. Uh, wow. So, okay, that's cool. That's probably the best way to do it is to keep your nose down like that. And if you get too consumed with, with everything oh. going on around you, then you're just going to get swept up into a whirlwind. Yeah, I will say something very helpful for people who are in the entertainment business now because I see this is mm -hmm. all right so you're you know the business moves so fast you come out with something and already they're looking for the next thing okay so the key is um first of all don't feel don't follow the anxiety of the entertainment business don't follow the rhythm uh in in your center um you know always strive to do better work and and push yourself to different um Push yourself to your own standards, not the business standards, but like your like your own artistic standards, uh, mm -hmm. because you're only, let's say, as interesting as you you see yourself. Right. Um, also, when I was in the 80s, publicity. OK, the key was actually don't show yourself so much in publicity because it'll make you more interesting. And also you don't want to give too much away so that people want to see you play characters if they know too much about you then they might get bored and move on to someone else so in the uh. end told you do not do publicity you stay as uh i can't find the word incognito you just sort of stay to yourself as much as possible um a bit of an en enigma <clears throat> right and therefore it also makes your career go longer but um today it's almost like people show everything so fast, so quick. So um, that can backfire on you. And the thing is, I'll, I'll tell you, this has also happened. I was very, mm -hmm. my career mostly happened in the 80s. So once the 90s hit, whatever made me huge in the 80s, I had it had to be, well, that was the 80s. Now this is the 90s. So they're going to look naturally to something new in the 90s to represent it. So even if you were the biggest star in the world, you know, mm -hmm. you have to let go and let other people be the star. So what does that mean? That means in that period of time where you're working, work hard, get it done. But when it's not your time, then have, save your money and, and also yes. then focus on 
other things that you couldn't before. For instance, a relationship or having kids or going back to school or doing something. Go into a place in your life where you're still investing in yourself, but now maybe the focus is on someone else. And that's okay. That's really, really important to understand as an actor we want to work our whole lives, but, or maybe you go into voiceover or maybe you start examining other aspects of your life. And frankly, you know, as, as a performer, the more information you put in of real life, the more exciting your performances are later. So for instance, all the things I did in my life when I stopped acting basically to have my family, I now can bring into my new performances. And it's been incredibly exciting. And not to say that I expected there to be performances, but I'll say that I really don't think I would be back acting if I didn't have anything that filled my cup with. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then if without those real, real world experiences, then you're not going to be able to really create a 3d you know three-dimensional character if, if you don't have that depth to yourself you won't be able to relate to the character in the ways that you need to, to portray the proper emotions you know if you, you as an audience would not relate to me if i if i didn't experience something real right right i mean yeah. everything i you that's why they keep telling actors to be real because everything that the audience feels if we don't know how that feels then or we can't express that then um you know, it's not going to be very interesting, even if our hair is perfect or, or you know, the makeup or the, you know, the plastic surgery is happening. I mean, it's, <laughs> it only goes so far, I think. And uh, I'm just more natural that I just I think it's important to keep us real and have the audience be able to identify with real people, real emotions, yeah. experience. And it seems like you've got the great attitude about it. There's a Don Cheadle quote that kind of sums up everything you're saying about the longevity of an actor, where it, it starts off as, who the hell is Don Cheadle? Uh-huh. Get me Don get me Don Cheadle. Get me a Don Cheadle type. Right. And then get me a young Don Cheadle. So even, well, <laughs> even if they love what you right? do. <laughs> I love that. I'm so glad you said that. I wanted to have that quote for years, and I never knew where to find it. That's so good. <laughs> it's true you know it is no matter how much they love you they just want some version of you (laughs) at some point you know and then and boy if you affect the world like that that's why you know if I can affect the world in a positive way I can leave the world with my mark um what better thing you know it just really what better thing is is there you know the entertainment business is I mean I don't care if it's the entertainment business remember Mm -hmm. In in life, you have to you in order to be in life, you have to give and you have to participate and you can't expect things to come to you if you don't give. And if you want to start working as an actor, you know, you can't sit there going, when is someone going to knock on my door? You have to be out. You know, you have to be in people's vision for them to go. Oh, you know what? That person might be good. So. It, there's always a, something to do, um, and I just think if, and I think that in life, if if you are a person who wishes good things to happen to you, you need to put it out there. You can't sit in a corner, and it, it's the law of energy. It's not even you. It's it's yes. There's a flow that happens when you give, things come back to you. But if you well, an object in motion it, stays in motion, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. So it's as simple as that. It's not anything uh, having to do with someone's character or good, bad. It has to do with the flow of how we 
work in, as a universe, you know? Yeah, so. I, hate, I hate to que- uh, keep quoting other people, but there's a Kevin Smith thing that I where he was lamenting about how Netflix hadn't approached him about anything. He's like, uh, you got to go ask them. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, I can't believe I didn't. As soon as he asked him, they were like stoked and like, yeah, let's do some stuff. But he'd just been like checking his email like, well, I'm an a- I'm a director. They should want me, right? But no, they didn't, you know, doesn't necessarily even mean that they know that they can get you. Oh, I have, uh, that's a lovely thing to say. Um, I have actually, um, oh, okay. I have a funny story to tell you. So oh, I, love I, you know, uh, I watch Ghost Adventures. I love Ghost Adventures. Okay. I just think it's such a great show. And so watched it for years and my kids were a big fan. We used to watch it as a family. So we went to Comic-Con one day and we I went online, waited with everybody else online and got there and saw Zach and Aaron. And, and I was like, you know, could you sign this autograph? And Aaron jumps over the table of the Comic-Con thing and says, oh my God, oh my God, it's you, <laughs> Diane Franklin from Better Off Dead. And I was like, and then Zach, said, we take a selfie. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, I want to take a selfie with you. So, right? you know, so here's an example, like, I was a heroes to my kids for doing this. But what I, what I mean is that, you know, you just don't know unless you pull it, put it out there. Who's your fan? Who's fan of yours? Somebody that people might think, you know, people are very shy and they don't want to like intrude. But honestly, I mean, if you come up to someone and, you know, you tell them, boy, you know, you're amazing and you did a great job and you changed my life in some way or whatever, just, or I just really liked you in that. Um, you know, you, you, it makes a big difference. And especially I will say for older actors too. So many actors who are so famous and, you know, now they might be hearing crickets, you know, they might be like, they might be be the most famous person. You could, you couldn't imagine that they, they wouldn't feel it, but boy, they might really need that, you know, to be somebody to, to say, I'm a huge fan. I mean, somebody who's 20 and someone's like 80 and they're, you know, don't hear about the fans as much anymore. And, it makes a huge, huge difference. So, well, especially when you come in and you're genuine and and you're mm-hmm. actually happy to be meeting them and and whatnot. I think some people are the people that are more probably offensive to you are people who just come up demanding things or just try yes. to <laughs> step in and immediately yeah, take a selfie. Like, yeah, exactly. Don't demand. You know. <laughs> The members, you know, use use the international language, love, right? <laughs> uh, be, you know, polite, um, respectful, you know, again. Um, and, but you can, you know, then it brings, it can be a mutual happiness. And look, if someone's not into it, they'll let you know. But right. that, because some people aren't, they, they don't understand that yet. They don't see the big picture. And my, my feeling is, um, I'm not saying to go up to every actor and ask them, you know, Hey, can I have your picture? You know, can I have their shirt? You know, <laughs> hey, what are you doing? Can I have right. you lunch? Right? No, that's not going to happen. Yeah. But um, but you know, passing some kindness and goodness and good words matters. It, it matters to everybody. I mean, it's yeah. not just actors. People. Yeah, people want to know that the work that they've been doing has has had a positive effect on people, and that the the people remembered remember them. So, yeah, if you come up friendly and genuinely and then yeah if they're not interested you should be able to pick up on that vibe and yeah. <laughs> ki- kindly exactly. excuse if yourself from the situation and screaming yeah you know you can tell yeah, that maybe not- stop chasing yeah it's not the right moment right <laughs> right uh well speaking of stardom and whatnot i was trying to do some research on jack magner i'm not sure if i'm saying that right yeah. 
mm-hmm. your co-star Sonny yeah. in this, and I noticed that he was in one more film, Firestarter, and then his IMDb just kind of drops off. I mean, it's not a huge talking point, if, uh, but I was wondering if you and him had stayed in any contact, if he just decided acting wasn't for him, or... I have not stayed in contact with Jack. I don't know what he wound up doing. Um, But then again, you know, acting is not something that's right for everyone. And it's also something, it's a life, you know? And so sometimes it's, it's the life isn't what you like. Maybe you like to act, but you don't like the life. It's freelance life. You have to be very, um, you have to, if, if the people that you're with, don't agree with that, then that's not good either. Uh, so, you know, I mean, you're in a relationship with someone and they're like, no, I want, you know, I want this or that. Like, that's, you know, that's part of it. So there's no, um, it, it's not, there's no like uh, like d- thing where, you know, this will happen, this will happen, and this will happen. Right. And that's why I suggest when you get to college, figure out what works for you because we're all different and we all have different personal needs and it might look so easy and it looks so luxurious and fun to be a movie star or a TV star or have a show but you ask any people who are in there and they've always made sacrifices there always are sacrifices they've always uh, given up something that maybe you would never give up yeah um, and I think that we definitely have a tendency to romanticize it yeah, and not, and not think about the what it's like when you haven't got a role in a while, and you're trying, and you're you got a project that maybe you don't like that much, but you don't know if anything better is going to come along. So you tr- yeah. should I do this? Should I wait for something that I'm, has more artistic integrity? You know, is this going to lead to something else? Is this going to yeah. lead to the end? Of the the no mental aspect. There's there no reason in the moment for that. You have to live with that kind of thought process and kind of learn to. I mean, for me. I always was like, the, the key would be just keep going and auditioning because you don't have the answers of, is this going to make me a bigger star than the other? Um, you do have some people who hopefully, like a manager or, or an agent who can advise you, I mean, with experience, that's really the key, who can right. advise you and say, well, I've seen this happen or I know this is probably the best way to go. Um, like, you know, say no to this, say this, because they understand where you are in the big picture of things. Um, but you got to trust them. And um, I think that as a career goes, uh, you also, um, one of the things I regret as an actress mm-hmm. is when sometimes when I wouldn't get a part that I really wanted, I felt like, oh, well, I guess I'm just not talented. I guess I just, I just don't have it, you know, I guess like, and I remember actually when I was 14, I almost didn't become an actress because I was an extra in the movie um, Endless Love with Brooke Shields. Oh, okay, yeah. And Brooke Shields was the most beautiful, like gifted, talented, she, and kind, she was the kindness. I mean, certainly at that age, she was very young. She was so nice to me. I'd actually worked and done modeling with her before, but she took a picture with me. And I, I mean, we had worked in the business together, but she was obviously an echelant up. She had done movies mm. before I had even done a soap opera, right? And right. She, um, she was just gorgeous and beautiful and kind. And I thought, oh, well, I guess I don't need to be an actress anymore because she's done everything that I wanted 
to be. I wanted to be like a nice actress, not, a, not like a actress with a chip on my shoulder, whatever. And uh-huh. um, and I thought, okay, well, I guess I'm done. I, I might as well, you know, I'll be a scientist. I'll be like, I'll just sort of like thought, okay, I'll go into my other things. And then it hit me. Uh, the next, I like literally went to bed going, I guess I'm just not going to be an actress anymore. Really made that decision. And then the next morning it hit me and I thought, oh my gosh, wait, there's room for more than one. Yeah. You know? There's room for more than one nice person who can be beautiful in scenes or do whatever. I mean, you know, talented, you know, I can be me and there's nobody like me and okay, so let's do this. Yeah. So, you know, and so if I had not believed in myself, then I would not have, I would not be here today. And and I look at other actors and I think they are going to go through their lives and they're going to get to those places where they're going to get down on themselves and think I should just stop and it's over. But I will tell you the secret. If you made it there so far, you can do it again. And if that's anybody, if you've done it up until now, if you made it in your life so far, you can do it again. You can make things happen again. You did it before, you'll do it again. So that's how you have to trust yourself. Okay. All right. Zeti <laughs> <laughs> uh, I noticed uh, in my research as well, the director of this, um, he only spoke Italian, so he had to use a translator. What, what was that experience like? Oh, Dino, uh, you mean uh, uh, Damiano Damiani? Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so thank you for oh. saying that so much. More eloquently yeah, than I. Damiano was um, the director of Amityville Part Two, and he was Italian. He ha- needed a translator to actually talk to the crew because he did speak to us in English, um, oh, and he, but he spoke okay. broken English. And my parents were Europeans, so I actually understood him really well. I mean, maybe people who didn't have parents who spoke with dialects would probably maybe be confused, but I completely knew what he was talking about. And I could read body language. Like I knew, like even just in a look, what he was getting, he wanted to me to bring uh, forward. And he was a very, um, as a director, I mean, in terms of like comparing him to other directors, he was just very to the point because he knew what he wanted and I like that. I like directors who are to the point. I, I like directors who know what they want. They have a vision. And I don't need it candy coated. I don't need somebody going, oh, could you please? You know, although I, I mean, I love it. Like, Savage yeah. Paul is the cutest <laughs> director ever. He's just super cute. He's, like, super adorable. Crews love him. He's awesome. Um, but Damiano was more uh, to the point and let's do this. We got to do that. Move this over. I need you to do this. So, uh I, I think that's just part of the acting experience. I like being directed by different types of people and I like a challenge. So sure, that was, certainly takes a lot of guesswork out of it when they, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and you know, the other thing is as an actress, like there were times where I could bring, like I could bring my emotion. I remember we did a scene in the confessional and we shot oh. it in a church, which if I, if I was, I guess it was very funny because I guess if I was very religious, I would have felt very awkward being in a church doing a scene, right? That's like mm. sacrilegious, right? I don't know. I, I, but we shot in a church, mm. a beautiful church. And mm-hmm. when we did it, I, I had to come to the confessional and I thought I just had to be upset. But 
I didn't see what the director saw. And the director saw me running the idea of running to church or running into the confessional, like being out of breath. And I, I didn't even see that. And he said to me, all right, I want you to run around the church, go and they run. And then, you know, and I didn't even know what the plan was. I was like, okay, okay. So here I am yeah. crew and the set, everyone is poised, like ready to shoot this in the confession, which is nowhere. Like it's not the church. So here I am running through church. I mean, I hear the echo of my footsteps going through, you know, you know, yeah. you know, like, you know, run, 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 <sighs> running, 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 running. And like several times I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And then he said, all right, go in and do it. And so like, I run to the confessional father, I have a confession to make. <laughs> and so, you know, this was his idea of how to make that scene happen. And how exciting, you know, that's, as a director. That's incredible. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Like, as, an, as an actress, I'm 20. I have no idea what he's doing, but I trust him. And I just let it happen. And that was magical. I think that's that was a really magical moment I, as far as filming, uh, you know, filmmaking. Because yeah. the director, you know, I don't know. Sometimes a director, I think, has to explain himself a little bit too much to actors. But if you get that trust, you can say, you know, hey, just do this. And then... The director knows he can get what he needs to by just sort of giving direction. So yeah, it's very cool. <laughs> and that's gotta yeah. only come from experience, where he's just like I've had so many, you know, incredible actors and actresses try to try to do the whole out of breath panic thing, and it never yeah. never feels real to me. You're gonna, yeah. I'm gonna get you out of breath, and then we're just gonna go right into it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, genius. That's, that's an experience. That's what I love about like working with an experienced director because they have this vision and they, if they've done enough work, know how to get what they need in, in a, and, and, but they have to be on board. Everyone has to be on board to understand what is demanded. Um, meaning, look, thing, you know, like, again, you could say, well, you know, in the scene, the director wants you to take your gloves off more. No, you know, that's not going to happen. But but you can get certain things of your, your acting or suggesting that might bring something more to the table. So um, I really think directors need to, if you want to be a director, you really have to try acting yourself because you have to understand what the actor goes through. And I think that you need to think creatively in order to get your actors to do the things you need to. Don't ex I mean, Sometimes people expect their actors to know, and that's really a seasoned actor needs to know themselves. You know, you got to right. know who you are and how you work to get you to do what you need to do. Um, and then, but the director's job is to create the story and, and to to the, the what he his vision of what he sees. So, and do it quickly because we're losing the light. Or you know, like, right? Yeah, yeah. My is money. money is <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, because I hear stories also about people, you know, and the director just wants them to keep doing it, just more and more takes, and you do it every way that you could, you can possibly imagine it yourself, and you're kind of just <laughs> dying and wishing, like, please just tell me what you're looking for, because right. I, I don't think I'm getting it. <laughs> right. Oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's the other thing too. Uh, you know, the uh, idea of what you think and what the director thinks can be so different. And um, what I find is like a good director usually says, okay, let me see what you're doing. And so you do it fully. And then they go, okay, now that's what you, okay, we're going to change it to this. So, you know, um, and also in the real business, you don't get more than mm, two, three takes. Then that's, you're done, you know, usually. Um, oh. 
sometimes, I mean, in feature films, maybe a little bit more, but not usually. You have to be on your game. So you're not, you can't search for your performance on when you're doing it. You, right, you, on set, that, no. It's that beautiful thing where you kind of have to have ideas, but then you have to be incredibly flexible. It could be so different. And this is the other thing. When I was an actress and I was in, in the 80s, actors be, were like told to memorize their lines exactly as they were written. Um, it had to do with timing and, you know, how quick, you know, the, you, things were timed and you're not going to do something. Uh, you couldn't just ramble on. Today, sure. much more improvisation. And there are a lot of studied actors who do not know how to improvise. They have not had any training and they get stumped. Like, what do you mean improvise? So I really feel if you want to be an actor, learn both. You learn everything because you're going to work with different people and so if you're ready and you've done the work, I mean, look, this pandemic's happening. This is a beautiful time to get knowledgeable about all the things that you don't know. So rather than say, well, I don't do that. I don't juggle, you know, right. do it, learn it, you know. Yeah, get Make some scarves out of the closet. <laughs> yeah. Make yourself more valuable than less valuable. And it really have, will have no bearing. You will be seen as a serious actor because you are taking acting seriously, you know. And you're taking yourself seriously, and it's yeah. always it can always grow, even if it doesn't actually be something that eventually gets incorporated in it. Yes. Just have it, you know, there's that directly. Who knows the people that you may meet while working on it or an aspect of it? Yes. I'm always pulling. I'm a golfer, so I'm always learning something here and then trying to pull some of the. Oh, I'm gonna take this mentality and toss it over here. Maybe that's not for me, but that made me more complete and pushed yes. me closer to getting to where I'm trying to be. Exactly. No, absolutely. And uh, the, the accomplishment of uh, doing will increase your confidence, your self-confidence as well. I, I used to, um, it's so funny, like, um, oh my gosh, I let's, I'm, I'm just thinking about like auditions, you know, like I, uh, I ice skate, let's say ice skate. And so all of a sudden I get an ice skating audition. I'll be like, oh wait, I could do that. Or, um, oh, I have a really good story actually. I, I did years and years of ballet. I love ballet. And then also, all of a sudden when um, there came an audition for Once Upon a Time in America and to play a young Deborah, and there was a young girl. So it was a young Elizabeth McGovern uh, to play her. And I had to do ballet and point and I was ready. I knew how to do points. So I had gotten screen tested for that and got very close. Oh, so. It's just interesting how you again do things because you never know down the line when that opportunity may happen. Yes, uh, well, they say, yeah, uh, the ship at sail is a lot easier to to change directions than one standing still. Yeah, uh, just, nice. just, just only takes a tiny little rudder. Travis, mm -hmm. I like the saying. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, uh, I We've gone on over an hour here, so I don't want to take up too much more of your time. All right. Uh, I've given so many great stories out of you, though. I could keep listening forever. Um, oh. But uh, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a Rocky fan myself. So, uh, and certainly at the time of the filming of this, they were a pretty large franchise. What was it like being, you know, cast in alongside Burt Young? Oh, love Burt Young. <laughs> Burt is, okay, Burt is, <laughs> he is so funny. You can't believe it. I mean, he's played such serious characters, but he is such a sweet and funny guy. And he is just like, um, I don't know. I just, I was really fortunate to be able to have him play my dad in the film because I was, he was like um, a mentor, like a role model, like he could. And he 
we kind of spoke the same language, you know, I was really, mm -hmm. really glad that I had him as well as Ratanya Alda. Um, because I was, it was my first film with seasoned actors and I really was, uh, just really glad that I could be learning so much from them as performers. And so we would like get really into it. Like we'd be doing our scenes, like the table scene, like, you know, he'd be really mad or the, the mirror broke, you know, and all this stuff. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and like, you know, grabbing him like, no daddy, whatever that was, you know, like just all yelling. And, um, we were just so into it and then cut and then we'd be laughing and like, okay, let's do this again. Right. <laughs> um, not that it was super, it wasn't hilarious, but it was the idea that uh, I think what really stood out for me with him as an actor is that because I was young and I was trying to take everything seriously, he had the professional experience to know, to lighten it up in between so that we could do the work. Um, right. And he knew that he didn't want to make me or anybody else tense. So I think that shows the sign of a real professional. I, what I've noticed is people who are really professional can get very into it, and they're you know they're they're so concentrated, and they're so focused, and they they know their work, and they know they they're very delicate in the detail of their work. But they can then, when they stop, make everybody else feel good and and engage everyone so that people are back to being in a relaxed place to create. So um, I found that it is, it's a art, it's a gift. I, 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 that's when I see really professional people, they have the ability to separate work from being themselves. And not to say that they can't concentrate or stay in character because I know mm -hmm. Jack Wagner, when he played his character, he kind of stayed more isolated because he, his character was more of the outsider. Mm -hmm. And I, really respect that that's totally fine that like works but he was still a nice guy like he was nice to all of us he just sure he just kept his own because he needed to keep his focus and his concentration and that's your job so uh yeah so it was, it was a really special and awesome experience working with him yeah it's magical when you have someone like that who, who knows how to break the tension and has that that gift of timing that doesn't yeah it doesn't necessarily even have to be the funniest thing just knows when to when the silence yeah. is just right to chirp right in there and then everybody suddenly is much more relaxed and you get such a better performance out of everybody when although it's serious they're having a good time well here's the thing i mean i would think in like even a business situation you have a boss right and they're very intense and they're trying to talk to you and they're talking business and da 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 and then all of a sudden they go okay now everybody let's you know let's go for lunch like they open up and they like like give a happiness thing you suddenly go oh okay i respect that person because they in one second they're you know they know they can get serious about their business but now we're treated as people and now we're relaxed now there's a place to we understand where we can get we understand that there's different levels of who we are. So I think right. it's important to realize that, you know, when you do your work, you take it seriously, but don't bring your home, your work home with you. You know, if you're an editor, don't edit your family, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you're an interviewer, don't interview your family. I mean, be human, you know, <laughs> practice. <Right. that. laughs> well, you heard it here first. Uh, but I have to tell you something. Uh, I want, I know we're, you know, talking for a long time i actually oh, that's okay don't, don't um, keep talking <laughs> i have to tell you that i've done a whole bunch of acting um not only do i have 
um, Amityville Murders on, I think this stars and um, I guess, I don't know what other, it's, it's on, on uh, pay-per-view kind of uh, ability oh, to watch right. it. Um, but there, I also did a movie called Wally Got Wasted. I have a, um, a, it's Wally Got Wasted is a comedy sort of, and it's a, what do they call it? Like a, it's a kind of a fil similar film to Bernie, uh, Weekend at Bernie's. That's what it is. And I have a oh. of that. So that's really cool. And that's on Amazon, I think. So those films are Check out. Check that out for sure. Okay, mm -hmm. Wally uh, Got I Wasted. Was, I, Wally Got Wasted. And I have a very memorable scene. All I can say is that. One scene, very memorable. Okay. <laughs> oh. um, and then I have so many films that are going to come out that haven't come out that are, um, and I'm going to just, Say, um, there's a movie called High Holiday, which is supposed to come out. Maybe it's for Christmas. I'm not sure, but that is supposed to come out. Where I work with Jennifer Tilly um, and Tom Arnold and Cloris Leachman are also in the film, which is super wow. cool. Um, I'm in a movie called Waking Nightmare, which is actually an, a film I did, I think, in 2017. It hasn't come out yet, but wow, is it a great film. Mm -hmm. So that's a horror film or a yeah, Ooh. horror thriller. Uh, Waking Nightmare is about, some of these down. Oh my gosh. Waking Nightmare is about a girl uh, who's played by Shelley Regner. She plays my daughter and she actually commits murders in her sleep. And so I play her mom and Jamison Newlander, who was in Lost Boys, plays my husband. And that is an amazing film. So I can't wait for that to come out. Um, but I, when that's, you know, with COVID and everything, I don't know how where they are with the editing, but that's amazing. Um, I have a movie. Uh, I just did a funny uh, a, a cameo in a movie called Clay Zombies, which is mm -hmm. a like a, I would say like uh, like a B film kind of thing. But like, gosh, it's going to be so funny. I've always wanted to do a, a zombie movie. OK, so that's going to be really fun. And I play this DJ and it's just. It's a great role. You've never seen me like this. So, OK, how, uh, how much can you say? What about getting all the these different movies? thoughts the clay zombies oh it's so cool it you know i mean it's it's yeah it's super hilarious i and i play like this kind of dudess you know <laughs> it's so good uh, <laughs> all right I, I don't want to give it away but okay, okay. it should be coming I out i won't push you um early i should become 2021 i think you know should be coming out um i did a movie called the final interview which is a thriller that movie is actually out this it's actually out this month you can only get it through the final interview.com um it's being sold right now um and it's like a limited amount of copies it was a um oh, a film yeah. that was in it won awards at film festivals but they haven't gotten it out yet they were trying to and then covid hit so there's actually kind of a cool special thing they're doing now where you get like a t-shirt and a signed autograph thing and things from me so it's a special package you can Ooh. get with the movie so it's collector's item it's called the final interview and the director is fred vogel so just Letting you know about that. that. Yeah, go go to thefinalinterview.com and get your yeah. uh, the final watch that and get the merchant. Yeah, com. Yeah, get the merch. It's super cool. <laughs> Sounds um, dope. And then I know I can't even believe this. And then I just did a movie, and I can't tell you anything about it, but it's going to come out next. 
I think it's going to come out like January, February. I am so excited. It's going to be a big movie. The only thing I can tell you about it is that it is scary. But it is, there are so many amazing things about it that I, that you're going to hear stories about it. And I, I just, I can't say anything except I, I mean, I have a, I have a small part, but the movie, there's a lot of things about it that are amazing and Mm, I can't say it yet, so they won't. They won't let me tell you. But uh, right. just okay. keep, keep in contact with me on Twitter, Diane Franklin eighty, or Diane Franklin on Facebook, or uh, you could look up Diane Franklin fans. I guess uh, my Facebook is full, so I keep not being able to put people on it. But somewhere you'll find a, a Facebook thing, and and also Instagram. I'm in Di actress Diane Franklin. So stay in contact oh. with me, and I'll I'll keep you posted. I'll have to make sure I start following on Instagram. I, I thought I was I wasn't already. My bad. Uh. Oh, and then last, I, lastly, I forgot to say this again. Once I, I'm also in this documentary. It's called "Skin: The History of Nudity in Movies," and that is available right now. Um, on you, uh, what did they? I can't think of the word. You buy it. Um, it's video on demand. Yeah, video on demand. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the vocabulary. There's so many of these things I have I'm to learn. I'm glad I could contribute. <laughs> yeah, so that's video on demand. But um, I think maybe Netflix might eventually pick it up. We'll see. So uh, I'll be sure to rent it before that because it sounds sounds awesome. So many things. Uh, things are going on. And we got Wally got wasted on Prime right now that we can already mm -hmm. check out. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. That's a, a similar story, kind of a modern day. Weekend at yeah. Bernie's. I just I just yeah. saw Weekend at Bernie's for the first time and I really liked it. So that oh, then you'll like this because in <laughs> this one, they're adults. Like Weekend at Bernie's was younger kids, so these are like people in their twenties going through it. So oh boy, very All talented right. director, writer, um, I mean director, actor, um, uh, it had hired me, and so I highly recommend it. That's awesome. And then uh, we got this High Holiday that you'll be in, mm -hmm. Waking Nightmare. Play Zombies, obviously, the final interview. Go to thefinalinterview.com. Uh, and I, did I skip one? There's something else I the horror, Oh, oh, um, uh, and uh, Waking Nightmare, but we don't know when that's coming out. Waking uh, Nightmare. Yeah, so many of these sound awesome. And, yeah, I just confirmed on my phone, yes, you can watch Wally Got Wasted on Prime Video with subscriptions. So might have to watch that tonight. Uh, although I think Wesley's going to watch. That's the one you're going to see me act. Uh, that you have to Ooh. watch now that you watch Amityville too. Anybody who's okay. seen Amityville, watch Amityville Murders. Um, it's, it's, you, I think it's the best performance I've done in my life, but you know, I do, there's nothing that compares to the eighties. So. Right. I was, <laughs> nice, right? Uh, I'll, I'll definitely, I mean, I believe you, but also it's going to be hard to top that, that one for me as far as <laughs> closeness to my heart, at least. But mm -hmm. The fact that you are coming back into a franchise that you were uh, originally in as a daughter and now coming back as a mother, that's that's pretty cool. That's some, some awesome movie history that you get to be a part of right there. And then uh, I know you said the, there's a lot of craziness going on with the Bill and Ted 3 coming out tonight. Is that? Oh, yes. I mean, it's so it, it's so exciting. I'm really excited about the film coming out, um, mm -hmm. of course. Kimberly and I wish that we were in the film. We went through a lot of different, we, they knew we wanted to be in it. They, we tried everything we could. We made it very easy for them. It didn't happen, 
But uh, being the princess that I am, <laughs> I am regal and I support the film um, because that's princesses. That's what we do. We make sure that, you know, we do, we have a high bar. And I just want to say that I support the film because I think the film, all the films bring a great message to people and to the new generation. And I really think this new Bill and Ted's is going to really be great for um, the next generation, for, for the girls. So when I heard that, that they had the girls, I was like, mm, we really, that's really timely, really good. So, um, and I think, you know, I think it's great that the guys, you know, they're older guys. And I think it's good to have a movie with the dudes, the guys being seen in, you know, as older guys doing the film. I know it took them a long time to make it happen. So, yes. you know, I'm going to also say like, go older guys in movies too. Like you go, you know? Um, so yeah, it's going to yeah. be interesting. We'll see what happens. But I mean, um, Keanu is on fire right now. <laughs> yeah. And good. You know, it's really good because, you know, again, it's a moment in time, you know, one minute you, you could be working, not. And I think he's really striving very much to get people to, for older men to be doing good roles. And maybe they always did. I don't know. But uh, that's, that's, that's another issue. So I, I would say this, that I'm really, really glad that he's, uh, that they are, I'm really happy for Alex. He's such a good guy. Alex is a great guy. So I'm really happy for them and Ed Solomon and Chris um, that they're, they got the movie made. That's the most important thing. And so, you know, if you are interested, go and see the first one and then you will see Princess Elizabeth and perhaps <laughs> you'll remember the, the, the good old historic days. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'll have to probably watch the whole trilogy to, to get myself prepared for it or, or the yeah, first I two, I guess. That's the fun way to go. Like if you watch all three of them, that'll be fun. Yeah. I think I got the time. With what and being at home enough, might as well. Uh, this has been an incredible interview. Uh, I think Thank we'll, you. Yay, we'll to get going here. Uh, if you guys want to follow us on Twitter at Twapo, T W A T B O, or on Instagram at This Week at the Box Office, uh, send us a Gmail at This Week at the Box Office at gmail.com. <laughs> oh, I have one more thing I wanted to tell you sure. is people can, if they want, autographs or pictures or you know book like see i wrote some books they can go to dianefranklin.com and you can get oh. stuff now that there's a you know no more conventions for now i decided i was going to put stuff online so there it is and uh i think yeah for now we can fade to black and roll the credits because for now my friends the box office is closed <laughs>